section one of south sea tales by jack london this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by warren cotty gurney illinois south sea tales by jack london the house of mapui part one despite the heavy clumsiness of her lines the aore handled easily in the light breeze and her captain ran her well in before he hove to just outside the suck of the surf the atoll of hikuru lay low on the water a circle of pounded coral sand a hundred yards wide twenty miles in circumference and from three to five feet above high water mark on the bottom of the huge and glassy lagoon was much pearl shell and from the deck of the schooner across the slender ring of the atoll the divers could be seen at work but the lagoon had no entrance for even a trading schooner with a favoring breeze cutters could win in through the tortuous and shallow channel but the schooners lay off and on outside and sent in their small boats the aore swung out a boat smartly into which sprang half a dozen brown-skinned sailors clad only in scarlet loincloths they took the oars while in the stern sheets at the steering sweep stood a young man garbed in the tropic white that marks the european the golden strain of polynesia betrayed itself in the sun-gilt of his fair skin and cast up golden sheens and lights through the glimmering blue of his eyes raoul he was alexander raoul youngest son of marie raoul the wealthy quarter-caste who owned and managed half a dozen trading schooners similar to the aore across an eddy just outside the entrance and in and through and over a boiling riptide the boat fought its way to the mirrored calm of the lagoon young raoul leaped out upon the white sand and shook hands with a tall native the man's chest and shoulders were magnificent but the stump of a right arm beyond the flesh of which the age whitened bone projected several inches attested the encounter with a shark that had put an end to his diving days and made him a fawner and an intriguer for small favors have you heard alec were his first words mapui has found a pearl such a pearl never was there one like it ever fished up in hikuru nor in all the Pimotus, nor in all the world buy it from him he has it now and remember that i told you first he is a fool and you can get it cheap have you any tobacco straight up the beach to a shack under a pandanus tree raoul headed he was his mother's supercargo and his business was to comb all the pimotus for the wealth of copra shell and pearls that they yielded up he was a young supercargo it was his second voyage in such capacity 
and he suffered much secret worry from his lack of experience in pricing pearls but when mapui exposed the pearl to his sight he managed to suppress the startle it gave him and to maintain a careless commercial expression on his face for the pearl had struck him a blow it was large as a pigeon egg a perfect sphere of a whiteness that reflected opalescent lights from all colors about it it was alive never had he seen anything like it when mapui dropped it into his hand he was surprised by the weight of it that showed that it was a good pearl he examined it closely through a pocket magnifying glass it was without flaw or blemish the purity of it seemed almost to melt into the atmosphere out of his hand in the shade it was softly luminous gleaming like a tender moon so translucently white was it that when he dropped it into a glass of water he had difficulty in finding it so straight and swiftly had it sunk to the bottom that he knew its weight was excellent well what do you want for it he asked with a fine assumption of nonchalance i want mapui began and behind him framing his own dark face the dark faces of two women and a girl nodded concurrence in what he wanted their heads were bent forward they were animated by suppressed eagerness their eyes flashed avariciously i want a house mapui went on it must have a roof of galvanized iron and an octagon drop clock it must be six fathoms long with a porch all around a big room must be in the centre with a round table in the middle of it and the octagon drop clock on the wall there must be four bedrooms two on each side of the big room and in each bedroom must be an iron bed two chairs and the washstand and back of the house must be a kitchen a good kitchen with pots and pans and a stove and you must build the house on my island which is fakarava is that all raoul asked incredulously there must be a sewing machine spoke up tafara mapui's wife not forgetting the octagon drop clock added nari mapui's mother yes that is all said mapui young raoul laughed he laughed long and heartily but while he laughed he secretly performed problems in mental arithmetic he had never built a house in his life and his notions concerning house building were hazy while he laughed he calculated the cost of the voyage to tahiti for materials of the materials themselves of the voyage back to fakarava and the cost of landing the materials and of building the house it would come to four thousand french dollars allowing a margin for safety four thousand french dollars were equivalent to twenty thousand francs it was impossible how was he to know the value of such a pearl twenty thousand francs was a lot of money and of his mother's money at that mapui he said you are a big fool set a money price but mapui shook his head 
and the three heads behind him shook with his i want the house he said it must be six fathoms long with a porch all around yes yes raoul interrupted i know all about your house but it won't do i'll give you a thousand chilly dollars the four heads chorused a silent negative and a hundred chilly dollars in trade i want the house mapui began what good will the house do you raoul demanded the first hurricane that comes along will wash it away you ought to know captain raffy says it looks like a hurricane right now not on fakarava said mapui the land is much higher there on this island yes any hurricane can sweep hikuru i will have the house on fakarava it must be six fathoms long with a porch all around and raoul listened again to the tale of the house several hours he spent in the endeavor to hammer the house obsession out of mapui's mind but mapui's mother and wife and nigakura mapui's daughter bolstered him in his resolve for the house through the open doorway while he listened for the twentieth time to the detailed description of the house that was wanted raoul saw his schooner's second boat draw up on the beach the sailors rested on the oars advertising haste to be gone the first mate of the aore sprang ashore exchanged a word with the one-armed native then hurried toward raoul the day grew suddenly dark as a squall obscured the face of the sun across the lagoon raoul could see approaching the ominous line of the puff of wind captain raffy says you've got to get the hell out of here was the mate's greeting if there's any shell we've got to run the risk of picking it up later on so he says the barometer's dropped to twenty-nine seventy the gust of wind struck the pandanus tree overhead and tore through the palms beyond flinging half a dozen ripe coconuts with heavy thuds to the ground then came the rain out of the distance advancing with the roar of a gale of wind and causing the water of the lagoon to smoke in driven windrows the sharp rattle of the first drops was on the leaves when raoul sprang to his feet a thousand chili dollars cash down mapui he said and two hundred chili dollars in trade i want a house the other began mapui raoul yelled in order to make himself heard you are a fool he flung out of the house and side by side with the mate fought his way down the beach toward the boat they could not see the boat the tropic rain sheeted about them so that they could only see the beach under their feet and the spiteful little waves of the lagoon that snapped and bit at the sand a figure appeared through the deluge it was huru huru the man with the one arm did you get the pearl he yelled in raoul's ear mapui is a fool was the answering yell and the next moment they were lost to each other in the descending water half an hour later huru huru watching from the seaward side of the atoll saw the two boats hoisted in and the aure pointing her nose out to sea and near her just come in from the sea on the wings of the squall 
he saw another schooner hove to and dropping a boat into the water he knew her it was the orohena owned by toriki the half-caste trader who served as his own supercargo and who doubtlessly was even then in the stern sheets of the boat huru huru chuckled he knew that mapui owed toriki for trade goods advanced the year before the squall had passed the hot sun was blazing down and the lagoon was once more a mirror but the air was sticky like mucilage and the weight of it seemed to burden the lungs and make breathing difficult have you heard the news toriki huru huru asked mapui has found a pearl never was there a pearl like it ever fished up in hikuru nor anywhere in the Pimotus, nor anywhere in all the world mapui is a fool besides he owes you money remember that i told you first have you any tobacco and to the grass shack of mapui went toriki he was a masterful man with all a fairly stupid one carelessly he glanced at the wonderful pearl glanced for a moment only and carelessly he dropped it into his pocket you are lucky he said it is a nice pearl i will give you credit on the books i want a house mapui began in consternation it must be six fathoms six fathoms your grandmother was the trader's retort you want to pay up your debts that's what you want you owed me twelve hundred dollars chili very well you owe them no longer the amount is squared besides i will give you credit for two hundred chili if when i get to tahiti the pearl sells well i will give you credit for another hundred that will make three hundred but mind only if the pearl sells well i may even lose money on it mapui folded his arms in sorrow and sat with bowed head he had been robbed of his pearl in place of the house he had paid a debt there was nothing to show for the pearl you are a fool said tafara you are a fool said nari his mother why did you let the pearl into his hand what was i to do mapui protested i owed him the money he knew i had the pearl you heard him yourself ask to see it i had not told him he knew somebody else told him and i owed him the money mapui is a fool mimicked nigakura she was twelve years old and did not know any better mapui relieved his feelings by sending her reeling from a box on the ear while tafara and nari burst into tears and continued to upbraid him after the manner of women huru huru watching on the beach saw a third schooner that he knew heave to outside the entrance and drop a boat it was the hira well named for she was owned by levy the german jew the greatest pearl buyer of them all and as was well known hira was the tahitian god of fishermen and thieves have you heard the news huru huru asked as levy a fat man with massive asymmetrical features 
stepped out upon the beach mapui has found a pearl there was never a pearl like it in hikuru in all the Pimotus, in all the world mapui is a fool he has sold it to toriki for fourteen hundred chili i listened outside and heard toriki is likewise a fool you can buy it from him cheap remember that i told you first have you any tobacco there is toriki in the house of captain lynch drinking absinthe he has been there an hour and while levy and toriki drank absinthe and chaffered over the pearl huru huru listened and heard the stupendous price of twenty-five thousand francs agreed upon it was at this time that both the orohina and the hira running in close to the shore began firing guns and signalling frantically the three men stepped outside in time to see the two schooners go hastily about and head off shore dropping mainsails and flying jibs on the run in the teeth of the squall that heeled them far over on the whitened water then the rain blotted them out they'll be back after it's over said toriki we'd better be getting out of here i reckon the glass has fallen some more said captain lynch he was a white-bearded sea captain too old for service who had learned that the only way to live on comfortable terms with his asthma was on hikuru he went inside to look at the barometer great god they heard him exclaim and rushed in to join him at staring at a dial which marked twenty-nine twenty again they came out this time anxiously to consult sea and sky the squall had cleared away but the sky remained overcast the two schooners under all sail and joined by a third could be seen making back a veer in the wind induced them to slack off sheets and five minutes afterward a sudden veer from the opposite quarter caught all three schooners aback and those on shore could see the boom tackles being slacked away or cast off on the jump the sound of the surf was loud hollow and menacing and a heavy swell was setting in a terrible sheet of lightning burst before their eyes illuminating the dark day and the thunder rolled wildly about them toriki and levy broke into a run for their boats the latter ambling along like a panic-stricken hippopotamus as their two boats swept out the entrance they passed the boat of the aore coming in in the stern sheets encouraging the rowers was raoul unable to shake the vision of the pearl from his mind he was returning to accept mapui's price of a house he landed on the beach in the midst of a driving thunder squall that was so dense that he collided with huruhuru before he saw him too late yelled huruhuru mapui sold it to toriki for fourteen hundred chili and toriki sold it to levy for twenty-five thousand francs and levy will sell it in france for a hundred thousand francs have you any tobacco raoul felt relieved his troubles about the pearl 
were over he need not worry any more even if he had not got the pearl but he did not believe huru huru mapui might well have sold it for fourteen hundred chili but that levy who knew pearls should have paid twenty-five thousand francs was too wide a stretch Raoul decided to interview captain lynch on the subject but when he arrived at that ancient mariner's house he found him looking wide-eyed at the barometer what do you read it captain lynch asked anxiously rubbing his spectacles and staring again at the instrument twenty-nine ten said raoul i have never seen it so low before i should say not snorted the captain fifty years boy and man on all the seas and i've never seen it go down to that listen they stood for a moment while the surf rumbled and shook the house then they went outside the squall had passed they could see the aore lying becalmed a mile away and pitching and tossing madly in the tremendous seas that rolled in stately procession down out of the northeast and flung themselves furiously upon the coral shore one of the sailors from the boat pointed at the mouth of the passage and shook his head raoul looked and saw a white anarchy of foam and surge i'll guess i'll stay with you tonight, captain he said then turned to the sailor and told him to haul the boat out and to find shelter for himself and fellows twenty-nine flat captain lynch reported coming out from another look at the barometer a chair in his hand he sat down and stared at the spectacle of the sea the sun came out increasing the sultriness of the day while the dead calm still held the seas continued to increase in magnitude what makes that sea is what gets me raoul muttered petulantly there is no wind yet look at it look at that fellow there miles in length carrying tens of thousands of tons in weight its impact shook the frail atoll like an earthquake captain lynch was startled gracious he bellowed half rising from his chair then sinking back but there is no wind raoul persisted i could understand it if there was wind along with it you'll get the wind soon enough without worrying for it was the grim reply the two men sat on in silence the sweat stood out on their skins in myriads of tiny drops that ran together forming blotches of moisture which in turn coalesced into rivulets that dripped to the ground they panted for breath the old man's efforts being especially painful a sea swept up the beach licking around the trunks of the coconuts and subsiding almost at their feet they passed the high water mark captain lynch remarked and i've been here eleven years he looked at his watch it is three o'clock a man and woman at their heels a motley following of brats and curs trailed disconsolately by they came to a halt beyond the house and after much irresolution sat down in the sand a few minutes later another family trailed in from the opposite direction 
the men and women carrying a heterogeneous assortment of possessions and soon several hundred persons of all ages and sexes were congregated about the captain's dwelling he called to one new arrival a woman with a nursing babe in her arms and in answer received the information that her house had just been swept into the lagoon this was the highest spot of land in miles and already in many places on either hand the great seas were making a clean breach of the slender ring of the atoll and surging into the lagoon twenty miles around stretched the ring of the atoll and in no place was it more than fifty fathoms wide it was the height of the diving season and from all the islands around even as far as tahiti the natives had gathered there are twelve hundred men women and children here said captain lynch i wonder how many will be here to-morrow morning but why don't it blow that's what i want to know raoul demanded don't worry young man don't worry you'll get your troubles fast enough even as captain lynch spoke a great watery mass smote the atoll the sea-water churned about them three inches deep under the chairs a low wail of fear went up from the many women the children with clasped hands stared at the immense rollers and cried piteously chickens and cats wading perturbedly in the water as by common consent with flight and scramble took refuge on the roof of the captain's house a pimotan with a litter of newborn puppies in a basket climbed into a coconut tree and twenty feet above the ground made the basket fast the mother floundered about in the water beneath whining and yelping and still the sun shone brightly and the dead calm continued they sat and watched the seas and the insane pitching of the aore captain lynch gazed at the huge mountains of water sweeping in until he could gaze no more he covered his face with his hands to shut out the sight then went into the house twenty-eight sixty he said quietly when he returned in his arm was a coil of small rope he cut it into two fathom lengths giving one to raoul and retaining one for himself distributed the remainder among the women with the advice to pick out a tree and climb end of part one of the house of mapui